0: Today, we're going to be in Psalm 130, verses 1 to 6. So if you turn your Bibles to Psalm 130, we'll read. Out of the depths, I cry to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my pleas for mercy. If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? From all his iniquities. Lord, we thank you that you're the God of redemption, that you're the God of hope, that you're the God that heals, that you're the God that is with us while we're waiting, Lord, while we wait for you to move. God, and while we wait, Lord, would you, by the power of your Holy Spirit, intercede into our hearts and minds and help us, God, to just know that you're with us. Help us to remember that you walk alongside us during the storms. So, Lord, this morning we ask that you would open our hearts and minds to receive from your word, Lord. We know that only you can do that. And so I ask also, God, that you would open my heart and mind and soul and spirit and that you would speak through me, Holy Spirit, as only you can. This is your word, God, and we love you, and we look forward to hearing from you in Jesus' name. Amen. Some years ago, in a season of trial, My entire family was exposed to an environmental disaster that changed the course of our lives. We became affected by an outside source that made everyone in the family sick, confused, and disillusioned. All we'd worked for our entire life was compromised. We needed to leave our home of nearly 15 years for a new community. Our bodies were taxed by the chemical exposure we'd gone through, and our minds were unable to process the pain of what had just happened. It seemed as if it was never going to end, as some of these things are in life, where you're in a moment, and you, like the song says, you're stuck in a moment, and you can't get out of it. After the initial blow of the disaster, we moved into another house, and unfortunately, that house was contaminated too. It's almost laughable. Like, you're just like, really? Is this really happening? and we were once again displaced and confused. We tried everything. I realized I needed to continue working as hard as I could to provide for my family, and I just wanted to find solutions to the problem that we were in, to the trial that we were facing. But we prayed, we fasted, we sought counsel from different people, we sought out doctors who could help us through the suffering. And thankfully, we had our hope in Jesus. But we were extremely limited to what we could do. We were the fortunate ones. We had hope. There are many people today that don't have that kind of hope when they're going through trials. You see it all the time. Your friends, family members, they're struggling. They don't know what to do. They've gotten hit on the side, and they don't know where it came from and they don't have that kind of hope. We're fortunate that we do and we can walk alongside them in that. In the end, we were relegated just to wait on God, just wait on God. There were a lot of lessons that were to be learned, but ultimately we just needed to wait. To wait for God to restore us, to renew us, to lead us and to guide us, through the trial. He doesn't promise that you won't have trials. He promises he'll be with you. Some of you are experiencing the trials of life's unfortunate circumstances. But in our passage today, we're all faced with a question. What should we learn from in our season of waiting? What is it that God wants to speak to us? You know, it's really interesting and I I know this is true of me, when I'm in a trial, I tend to say, why, God? Why? Why is this happening to me? When really the question we should be asking is, what? What do you want to speak to me? In seasons of waiting, even through trials and suffering, we become aware of our need for hope. Many of us go through these seasons and, We don't have any control over our situation. And these times we need hope. When we recognize this, when we become aware of our need for hope of God, we need to look to something greater than ourselves. We need to look for something and someone who is bigger than us. Someone who has the power to be with us and to change us through the trial. You know, it becomes way more obvious that we have a need for hope when we're in a trial. But what do we have hope in while we wait? When we have no words, in the depths of our cries, we cry out to God, it seems like it's just hitting a ceiling. When we're desperate to be heard, what's your first reaction when a trial comes? Is it to just do something? That's kind of mine. I'm a doer, so like, I want to fix stuff. So my first reaction is, oh, what can I do? And if you talk to my wife, she'd, always, she'd tell you. I mean, I'm always like, what do you want me to do? She's like, I don't want you to do anything. You know? But that's what, that's what my thought is. That's what I go to. What should I do? Some of us just cast out a broad net or a need for help from anyone just listen. Some of us in these circumstances look to any other thing but God. We look to our resources, like how much money do we have? How can we get through this, you know, with our resources? Or what's going to happen to my life if this happens? Am I going to be able to make it? You know, and fear comes in. Some people just get louder. This is a really interesting thing, because it's not a bad thing that they do this they just feel the need to tell everyone about their pain they they feel like i don't know what to do with this pain that's inside me i don't know how to get it out it's killing me i'm just going to tell everybody about it perhaps you've been around these kind of people you know they tell you the same story of their pain over and over again and i get it in these cases they just don't know what to do. They tend to think somewhere, someone out there has to have something to help me. There's gotta be some solution that like, maybe someone has that I haven't thought about. Well, maybe you have a friend or someone in this time of need. Maybe there's someone in your circumstance right now that is telling you these stories and you're like, I really don't know what to do. Um, maybe you're not supposed to do anything. I, I think of Job. You know, Wouldn't it have been great if Job's friends would have just been there for him, right? Instead of telling him all the things that he did wrong or he didn't do wrong, but they thought maybe he did wrong. Maybe he sinned, maybe he did this. Our circumstances don't always come from, from sin, but they are from sin because we live in a fallen, broken world we can count on the fact that things are going to happen to us because we live in a fallen world. But it's not necessarily because of personal sin. Remember that. So when people are going through things, what we want to do is be with them through the storm. You know, today is 9-11. And I was thinking about that this morning. It really didn't even hit me until like, we were in prayer today um, that there are probably people right now that are trying to cry out and they, just, they don't have words. You know, you just, you just want to be with them. Our prayers go out to them. Um, that was something that was definitely no one could have ever guessed. No one could have ever imagined. And yet it, it happened. And, and those kind of things do happen. But it, I want you to know something. It's okay. It's okay when we cry out. It's okay. It's like the question is, by the grace of God and love of Christ, can we wait for them? Can we wait for them through the pain? You know, we realize we can't solve anyone's problems, but we can lead them to the God who can solve our problems, who can be with us, who wants to walk alongside us in the storm. You know, some people, they tend to withdraw. You guys have known people like that. You know, these are all, I'm not saying this to shame anyone or for anyone to feel bad. These are just kind of ways we react, right? So some people, they cry out. Some people withdraw. And these people isolate because of their pain. They're like, I can't take it. I, I don't, I, I'm afraid if I tell someone, they're just not going to know what to say. So I might as well just stay in my house and not talk to anyone. They seclude themselves from others, and they do it in, in, in the fact that they have hope in their despair, which is not good. We can't hope in our despair. It's not like if we have this hope that maybe something's going to happen today that's going to make it better if we stay alone, that that's good for us. It's actually the opposite. So, you know, the thing that, that's interesting is that when we put ourselves in a place of seclusion, we can do the same thing as we did for the people who tend to cry out. We can be with them. We can reach out to them. We can be there for them. You know, God created us to be in community with one another in the pain. He doesn't expect you when we do these community dinners or when we start doing community groups to come and just, oh yeah, everything's great. Praise Jesus. No, he wants us to live out our lives together in good and bad. He wants us to celebrate together. He wants us to mourn together. He wants us to be alongside. Sometimes we can't do anything, but just to be there for them. That's an important thing and that's how God created us. He created us in community and for community because God himself is community. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They're all God, right? But they have different ways that they work and they were a community before God ever created us. And the funny thing is they that God has no need for us, but he created us in his image because he loves us. And so in these times when we, when we want to cry out or when we want to seclude ourselves, those are the times that when we're in the fire, realizing that God is going to carry us through the fire. Remember Amrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Remember when they went into the fiery furnace and the, the guards looked and they said, there's a man there. Who's this other man? That was, that was like a Christophany. That was God showing up in the fire. And in our text, the psalmist, out of the depths of his heart, cries out to God. The depths represent our innermost being, these depths that he talks about. It's kind of like some people say a gut feeling, like, do you have it in your gut? Like, is that something that's just tearing your gut apart? The depths represent our innermost being and a calamity that we experience dearly or deeply. You know, when we experience something deeply, it just, it goes, it goes into you, into your heart, and you carry that around. Even those who do not believe tend to cry out to God in their time of need. That's the interesting thing. You know, That there was a saying during World War II that there's no atheists in foxholes. You know, when you're getting bombed, you're like, God, please help me, whether you believe in God or not. Because we all have this internal thing within us that tells us that There's something or someone out there that's greater than us. Ask the God who hears to be attentive to your pleas of mercy. That's what the psalmist is telling us. He's saying that he understands the desperation of waiting for God to move. The psalmist knows that we have this desperation, that we need this hope, that we're waiting for God to do something. Charles Spurgeon once said, He who prays trusts and thus reveals the faith which saves. Some forms of prayer display great faith, but all real prayer is the working of faith, either little or great. Will a man cry to God for mercy if he does not believe in him? Will he plead at the mercy seat if he does not expect to obtain his desire? Thus, dear friends, prayer of the true kind is a voucher for the existence of spiritual life in its consciousness of need, in its turning towards God, and in its faith in him. Prayer is the autograph of the Holy Ghost upon the renewed heart. That's what he's, the psalmist is telling us to do. Go ahead and cry out, but don't cry out to your friends. It's okay. It's okay for us to do that, right? But like cry out to God. You know, don't make your first The first thing that you do when something happens to you, look to other people, look to this, look to that, look to your resources, look to God, cry out to him, cry out to him in prayer. This isn't a weakness, but it's trust that drives us to our knees because when we're driven to our knees in this trust, we know that God is the one who answers prayer. We know that he hears us. Crying out to God is both the effect and recognition of our need and the security of our hope that God hears and is able to deliver us from such great pain and trial. Paul also tells us in Romans 8 that, for in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. Who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself, intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. God is faithful and he intercedes for us in our times of most desperate need. Isn't that, doesn't that give you peace? To think that the God of the universe, that Jesus himself, he intercedes for us in our time of need. The Holy Spirit gives us utterances that we don't even know what to say. Have you ever been in a place where you're like, I feel so wrecked right now. You're asking me to pray? Are you kidding me? I can't pray right now. I don't even have words. We can be confident that the Holy Spirit is praying for us in those times. In those times, the Holy Spirit is interceding for us. Jesus is interceding for us. God interceding for his own creation. What a beautiful thing. So when we are waiting in hope, we gain Longing for the God of hope. When we are waiting in hope, we gain longing for the God of hope. We long for him to move. When we recognize our need for hope, our longing for God is heightened. We just need him. We just need him. And we recognize that we just need him. We long for him in every part of our life to intercede for us, like I said earlier, to deliver us, to lead us by his strength. And when we see that there's hope, our longing for forgiveness is increased. Think about that. When you know that there's hope for you, you you have no problem coming before God and asking in repentance for him to forgive you of your sins. Sometimes it's not from your sin, like I said earlier, but other times we have something that happens where we need forgiveness. But understanding that we're forgiven, that's the hope we have. The hope we have is understanding that Jesus not only intercedes for us but he's forgiven us of all our sins for those of us that call upon Jesus as our Lord and Savior that believe upon him in our faith and by our faith he is there and he is the one that forgives us of our sins It's then that we realize that our sin is not the strongest force in the universe God is God is the strongest force in the universe. Oftentimes we can look at sin and we get overwhelmed by it, right? Like my sister called me last week. This is, sorry, sister, I'm throwing you under the bus. Um, But she called me, she's like, did you hear about the new Disney movie? And I'm like, yeah, what about it? She's like, oh, it's just terrible. I'm like, yeah, it's terrible. She's like, don't you hate that? And I said, yeah, I hate it. But guess what? Broken people tell broken stories, if we're living in sinful flesh, what are we expecting? Are we expecting people to be like us, to understand forgiveness, to understand hope in God? We can't. We can't expect that. God is the greatest, strongest force in the universe. He's greater than anything that life throws our way, even greater than sin itself. Jesus defeated sin. Think about that. He defeated it, He's victorious. Over all sin, he just asks us to come. Remember Jesus in the storm. Remember when he was on the Sea of Galilee, in the storm on the boat. It says that he was in the stern of the, of, the, of the boat and he was sleeping. And the disciples looked at him like, what's the matter with you? Don't you see that we're gonna perish? Jesus didn't, wasn't worried about it. He just said, see, calm down wind, stop. And it happened. But the words that he said that are so powerful is he said, peace, be still. That's what he's asking us today when we're going through the storm, to trust in his peace. Jesus says, I have peace that passes understanding. Peace in the storm. It's not just peace away from the storm. It's peace in the storm. I'm befuddled by that a lot of times, just to be honest with you. I look at Paul and I'm like, come on, man. Like, yeah, you went through all that stuff and you say, yeah, I had peace, but come on. You had to have times where you're like, what the heck? What's going on? Am I gonna get beaten again? Like, am I gonna get thrown in jail for the 20th time? But God has the ability to give us peace to allow us to be still. Remember Peter walking on the waves, Right? Storm comes up, he sees Jesus in the distance, he looks at Jesus, he's walking on the waves. He sank when he looked at his circumstances. We sink when we look at our circumstances. When when you look at the things around you, even talking about my sister with the, you know, the Disney thing, like, we look at stuff, we look at the world, and we're like, come on, we can't do this, and we sink. But What we're supposed to be doing, and I'm not saying this to make anyone feel bad, but what God's heart is for us is just look at me. Just keep your eyes on me. Focus on me. You don't have to be on social media six hours a day. Like, I mean, not saying that to shame anyone either. Like, it's a great tool in lots of ways, but Jesus's desire is for us to look at him so that we don't sink so that we don't look at our circumstances, so that we don't drown because of our circumstances. You know, God's hand on our lives is greater than anything. Any trial before us, making us long for this peace. We long for the God of peace when we realize forgiveness is available to all. And Andrew Murray says, fear and hope are generally thought to be in conflict with each other. In the presence and worship of God, They are found side by side in perfect and beautiful harmony. And this because in God himself, all apparent contradictions are reconciled. He can reconcile all contradiction. He he is the God. Think about this. I mean, I know you guys have thought about this before, but how is God sovereign and we have human responsibility? Because he's God. He doesn't need an answer from us. He's God. He can do that. And so he can live in both worlds. He can be sovereign, and he can give us the ability to respond. He gives us the choice to look at the storm or look at him. And it's not just deliverance we hope for, but it's the God of deliverance who is our hope. He's our hope. I want to take you back to the text for a moment. What was the psalmist experiencing here? What do you think he was experiencing? The psalmist is speaking of something out of his control. The reason for his iniquity is sin. And when we become aware of our own depths, we realize the sin all around us, the fallenness of the world all around us. How do we long for a God to deliver us from evil when we know that we're living in our sin? We know if we come to God in that hope, we're invited into his hope. If we're aware or trapped by our sin, the only way to deliverance is through God. But this is great news because there is deliverance, right? It's not like there's, you know, a lot of people say, well, you know, the reason why I don't follow God is because it's a, you know, you guys are asking me, you're telling me there's one God, you're telling me this is the only way. And I'm sure you've heard this analogy before, but if you're in a building that's on fire and someone tells you, hey, there's the door to get out, you're like, well, I don't like the fact there's one way, I'm going to go the other way. Like, good luck, right? Um, And the sad part is, is that in our pride, we decide many times that we'd rather go our own way instead of the way of salvation. So the psalmist is speaking of something out of his control and he he says, if you, O Lord, would count our iniquity, how could we be delivered from sin? He, He places that weight on himself, on others, by saying, if you really looked upon our sin, like, we don't understand the weight of sin. Like, I think about this many times, and I've watched The Passion of the Christ a few certain times, but every time I watch it, I'm like, I don't want to watch this. I honestly don't want to. I mean, it's bad enough that Jesus went through the torture he went through, the beating, all that kind of thing, but how much... Did he feel the pain and the weight of sin on the cross? That was probably way worse than the torture he went through. But we can't perceive that. We don't understand it. But the beauty is, is that we know if we come to God in the hope in him, that we're invited into his hope. We're invited into his hope because he made that way. He did go to the cross. He did suffer. He did take that sin upon him but he is victorious, amen? He is victorious, he defeated that. Sin is the miry pit of deliverance that we need from. We need deliverance from sin. And if God can save you from that, if he can save me from that, then there's nothing that he cannot rescue you from. Not the depth of despair or calamity or natural disaster or circumstances out of our control. There's nothing that is beyond God's saving. His saving hand goes to the ends of the earth. Paul in Romans 8 concludes by saying, no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Nothing can separate us from God. Not death, not anything that can come against us. So when we wait in hope, we anticipate the assurance for our future hope. When we wait with a mind of hope, we understand our hope is in God alone. Our goal is finishing well. I don't know about you, but I just want to finish well. Like, I think about that every day. And what does that mean? Does that mean that you're going to be sinless? Absolutely not. You know, and in modern culture, I have to say this, even in modern church culture, it's kind of a bummer because, like, I I often ask myself, if Peter denied Christ in the church today, would they let him back to lead the 3,000? Probably not, right? So there's hope for everybody, we have assurance for that. And when we wait with a mind of hope, we understand our hope is in God alone and we finish well because he finished well. Not because we're gonna grit our teeth and bear it. We're gonna do really good today and we're gonna go do this and this. And you know, I'm gonna give you five points that if you follow them, everything's gonna be good. No, our assurance is in God and in the hope of God. In Genesis 15, I love this passage, the covenant That God makes with Abram. After these things the word, the Lord came to Abram in a vision and he said, fear not. I am your shield. I am your exceeding great reward. Our reward, our assurance of hope is that we're going to be with Jesus. Guess what? If you went to heaven and Jesus wasn't there and you were happy to be there, that's not a good thing because Jesus and his presence is what heaven is. That's what heaven is. Our great reward is to be with God Himself. Our longing for God, the God of hope, is through His Word of Hope, the psalmist says. My soul waits for the Lord. And he says this twice. And the reason what any time in the Bible, when something is said twice, that means pay attention. More than watchmen for the morning. More than watchman for the morning. A watchman would have been someone in, in early Israel that would have went upon the wall all night long and looked to make sure that he was protecting the place around him. And he waited for the morning because the morning brought hope, hope for safety, hope and assurance that there was gonna be another day, that that day was past, that the night was gone, the day was breaking. My soul waits for the Lord. Here the psalmist emphasizes his yearning for God to answer his prayer by the faithfulness of his word. He knows that we can trust God in his word. God's never failed in his word. Think about that. He has a 100% track record. When you read the Bible and you see all these prophecies that have come to pass, when you see how his word comes to pass over and over and over again, can we not have confidence in that? Can we not have great trust in that and hope in that? He's never failed and he never will. The God of hope is faithful in his word of hope, but we also long for redemption in hope. God is our only true redeemer, and he's given us hope by his redemption. He's redeemed us through Jesus. He's redeemed us through his son. Jesus paid the price we could never pay by sacrificing everything he is, and he gave us everything so we could live through his hope, which never fades, God's redemption is plentiful and it is enough. It's all we need. We can live in this great hope because of his redemption, because of the fact that he gave everything to give us everything. That's what redemption is, is exchange. It's a great exchange. That's what Jesus did. He gave us the great exchange. His life for ours, death for life. We have that, we can own that. But we also long, for restoration and hope. One day, we're gonna be reunited with God. And guess what? He's gonna create a new heaven and a new earth. All these things that we are living in today, they're gonna come to pass. We're gonna be restored through Jesus. We've been promised this. I just said earlier, God does not break his promises, does he? He does not. We've been promised this. Because Jesus ascended, he's promised that we will also ascend. We will be eternally restored from all our iniquities, not just because of what we've done. It will never be because of what we've done, but because of what Jesus has done for us. Our final destination is restoration. It's sure, it's promised, it's our hope. It's why we wait the reason we wait is because we have hope that, that we will be redeemed, we will be restored. This life is short. You know, I, I know many of you understand that. I mean, uh, my mom passed earlier in the year and you just don't think that things are gonna happen like that, but they do. But guess what? When I, when I did my mom's memorial, it was a celebration of hope because I know she's with Jesus, I know she's celebrating. We mourn the people we lose. But guess what? We have this hope in restoration. Jesus is the only God of hope. And what we learn in our season of waiting is that Jesus already suffered for us on the cross. That by his wounds, we are healed. He bled and died for all who would believe in his name. All, everyone. But death could not hold him down. Death couldn't hold him down. There was nothing that could stop Jesus from rising. Jesus broke the silence of death and rose on the third day. And then he brings eternal life to any and all who will call upon his name. So we patiently wait for that day. We patiently wait for the day when Jesus will return with shouts of acclamation, right? The angels will be singing, all, I mean, think about heaven. I, I, I was listening to a podcast one day and this guy was talking about, wouldn't it be great if there was a choir of like a million people? I was like, well, that's heaven, right? Could you imagine the sound? Shouts of acclamation? That's what we have to look forward to. We wait in hope for his return as he promised. Not only did he say he's gonna create a new heaven and earth, but he's gonna return. And he will be the reigning king that Israel looked for in the beginning. Israel wasn't wrong that they wanted a reigning king. They were just wrong on the timing. God, Jesus is gonna come back and he will rule and reign as a king, but he's gonna bring justice and love and hope and faith into the world. He's gonna take away brokenness, pain, fear, all the things that we go through. His promise is sure as the sun's rising every day, as sure as the ocean's tides come and go. So we live in this hope. We live in this hope. Not hope in ourselves, not hope in riches, not hope even in perfect health. Our eternal hope is with Christ, our Savior, our friend, our Abba, our Lord, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. All of these things, our hope is in Christ alone. Only Christ has the power to save and only Jesus can bring the dead to life. And in this hope of Christ, our future is sealed. Our future is sealed and God's plans are revealed and our hope is not in vain. The best part of life is yet to come. The best part of life is living with Christ. When we eternally together with Christ become as he is, as the apostle John once said, beloved, we are God's children now. And what we will be has not yet appeared, but what we know, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. That's the hope we have today, that we can wait in hope, knowing that one day we will be as Christ. We will be with him, we will reign with him, There won't be any more pain or sorrow. There won't be any more suffering. All those things will be passed away because of Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you for this great hope. We thank you that even in the midst of our trials, God, our struggles, whatever is thrown our way in life, we can look to you in hope. We know that you're our redeemer, We know you're the God that restores. We know that you're with us in the fire. We know that you never leave us or forsake us. We know all these things because you promised them, Lord. And we trust in your promise. And the reason why we trust in you is because you're faithful, God. You're so faithful. You never fail us, Lord. There are things that fail us in life, but you're always there, God. So I just ask this morning that you would speak to our hearts individually, God, uniquely. Lord, for those of us that are going through hard times, God, I pray that you would comfort them, that you would bring them the peace that passes understanding, Jesus. For those of us that are are going through times that are exciting or times that are celebratory, God, help us to celebrate together. Help us to know, God, that we can celebrate in faith also, Lord, and that you're there with us. So God of all creation, who knows us and loves us and walks alongside us in all things. Please be with us today. You are our hope, Lord. So we wait for you in Jesus' name, amen.